Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife's Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife, and this week I'm diving back into the old school bin here and checking in with a show that, for better or for worse, I always remember, despite some misgivings about lots of the episodes feeling formulaic and whatnot. There's something uniquely cheerful and uniquely lovable about this show, and I'm talking about Chobits. Um, Chobits was a anime by Clamp. It was a manga by Clamp, so these are the people who did Ca Cardcaptor Sakura, Angelic Lair, Holic, which I've already reviewed, and Subasa Reservoir Chronicle, which was kind of tied into Holic. Um... Chobits is sort of related, but not really related to Angelic Lair, which I have not seen, so bear that in mind. Still, Clamp does kind of like shared universe, sometimes not really is sort of in-jokes kind of deal, but they're all usually played comedic in most cases. And Chobits is no exception, but for me, the reason I come back to Chobits a couple of times every so often is... A couple episodes midway to towards the end of the show that kind of make up for a lot of the formulaic doofy comedy that's present. Some likable characters and playing with an idea which I've always had a fascination with, whether it be a sci-fi thing or an anime thing, and I'll explain that a little later. So I tend to say if you can get past some of the goofiness or if you are looking for a goofy ass show this would be one i would recommend but we'll start with the basic plot the idea is a college student or a would-be college student named hideki motosua in uh, my american version voiced by crispin freeman um just a down and out lovable farm boy dork trying to get into school and one of the things he tends to do is overreact and in the nice kind of way, but you'll hear him screaming all the time and just not whining, but being like, ah! you know, that sort of like thing. But again, Crispin's voice is great and he can do a ton of great shit. I'll go over that when I get to Xenosaga. Oh God, was he great in that? Um, but Oh yeah, Crispin Freeman is a good voice actor. Who would have thought? Anyway, um, so his character is down and out. He's trying to find work, but he's also trying to go to a prep school to get into a college, and he's kind of struggling at everything. And his thing is a, is a the dream like scenario is the fall from heaven or find something in the garbage thing. And the, as he's walking along the city, he's finding that in this universe. They've developed these personal computers known as Persicomps. Now, why they are shaped like humans, who knows? But for all intents and purposes, they are mostly shaped like humans. Sometimes you'll get really small ones. Sometimes you'll get, like, little mascot character-looking things. But by and large, the big ones that everybody walks around with are humanoid, android kind of types and you can tell by like ear flaps or ear muff looking things or headdress kind of things but persicoms basically can do everything they are alexa or siri on steroids even back in 2002 um 
which is weird to look back on and the show being a comedy doesn't like force that sort of thing i think like if this was done now it would be probably like a like a comedic version of psychopaths where they did like uh sunamori's apartment you can change like the lighting of the apartment you can change your clothes you can do all this crap in like five seconds and boom and be done with it the general gist of this is they're basically computers calculators they can you know be day planners schedulers that sort of thing but they're done in the hey we're making them humanoid robots kind of thing um motosua finds one of them in the garbage like you do and i'm reminded of that joke uh, in dogma where chris rock's character falls from the sky and and uh jay goes well big na- naked titty women don't just fall from the sky you know well on this show they do and takes him home loads her up does not know what he's doing takes him to a to a uh to an engineer friend of his and you know, nice thing is that each character does have a little backstory here and there, but it takes it to a friend. Then his neighbor ends up figuring out, you know, because they end up going to the same school. His neighbor is uh, Shinbo, voiced by Tony Oliver. And once again, Tony Oliver is from stuff like Lupin and other shows like that. And I've been a big fan of his for a while. I actually met him and uh, posted on Twitter, you know, Got a selfie with him. It was really good. Speaking of shows he's in, you, I should do a review of Gungrave someday. I rewatched it over the last couple of weeks, and god damn, was he a really good um, character in the show, Harry McDowell. I probably mentioned that, that I was doing that a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, eventually I'm going to have to review that one. But Shinbo has his own Persicom in the form of Sumomo, who's just likable and, you know, the anime mascot you know full of energy whatever voiced by sandy fox who's basically that kind of character like her voice does that um you know but she's just always talking always moving always dancing always you know bouncing around and you know in this frame of show it's not ridiculous so shinbo and sumobo try to figure out okay who is this persicom that this guy found in the garbage why is she there does she have a disc does she have a thing turns out he threw the disc away that was where all her data was stored so she doesn't really have anything so she turns on you know and by that point she would have and well shinbo's like well sucks to be you you gotta figure out what you're doing so the next few episodes play out like a normal uh slice of life comedy thing with the character now known as Chi, voiced by Michelle Ruff, hit, you know, like Motosua and Chi are just kind of like working through what is a Persicom? What do they do? Do they require food? Do they make food? Do they cre- require energy? You know, them and their friend, um, I believe his name is Kokobunji, the, the gearhead friend and computer whiz, is kind of telling them information and trying to figure out, okay, who is this girl that has all this power, you know? Could she be this, you know, amazing Persicom? And all this time you get these mysteries and things and all, you know. He gets an apartment run by someone named uh, Chitose Hibia, voiced by Bridget Hoffman. Uh, speaking of Xenosaga, she did Cosmos in the first and third. I do not recognize the second game. I just don't. 
mostly because she wasn't in it. Um, but yeah, Cosmos is awesome too. So yeah, when I get to Zenosaga, I'm going to be a happy clam. Anyway, um, she's just a well-to-do apartment manager. Very nice lady. Let's her, lets the dude stay if he can get a job. So he ends up getting a job. Like you do. He works as a bartender part-time while he's still trying to go to prep school. So Shinbo and Motosua keep going to that. And then they find that, um, that their teacher, you know, 25, 30 year old lady, uh, Miss Shimizu voiced by Wendy Lee. She's, you know, she shows up here and there as a nice, cheerful lady, but you know, not like over the top because we have enough of that with some of the other characters and she's just there to give everybody a, a step forward and trying to get them into college. But Motosu is the lovable idiot who doesn't really know how. So a few episodes go by and she does some dumb things like trying to buy, you know, panties or whatever the fuck or trying to find food or figuring out how do you charge her? Or what does a bath feel like? What is a video game? You know, that sort of shit. They do the obligatory beach episode and all the stuff. And it's starting to feel like, well, why am I suggesting this show if I'm hating all this? I'm getting that. Um, so that stuff kind of goes by and kind of goes by and kind of goes by. And all the while, there have been these like picture books that she has found. The I believe it's the city with no people. It's a it's a series of books, and they are kind of detailing things. And every time she reads them, she starts getting these like weird flashbacks and things. So it's like her memories returning or something clicking in her head and you know whatever and stuff you also feel that like a second version of her is getting into her head um but really where this show ends up shining kind of like trigon is the second half not in the same direct way because trigon was a lot darker and a lot stiffer and a lot moodier what ended up happening was that's when they finally start to get rid of a lot of the comedy. They still play for comedy, you know, 90% of the time. But the storylines start getting more intense. They start kind of actually digging into what does it mean to own a Persicom? What do they do? Are they a replacement for people? You know, because that is something that people have dealt with, whether it's in Japan or America or TV and, you know, cartoons and whatever is the sense that and we're now in this dealing with ai you know and people getting digitized and having all their likenesses moved and i'm not saying in a i'm not saying in a malicious way but in a technological way the sense that are people being replaced it, are we relying too heavily on technology to the point where somebody could fall for their own Persicum, basically, and that's what they're going for, is several different ways in which people in the cast are dealing with owning Persicums, whether they're replacements for people that they've lost, whether they are replacements for actual spouses, which is one, or what happens when they die, for instance. And there are three separate sub-stories. Two of them specifically are what I really like about this show. Ones that happen with Shinbo and Shimizu. Um, initially played for laughs at first, because Shimizu shows up at, at Motosu's apartment unannounced. 
But then you realize why she's there. And really what happens is the story, like, I think for me what ends up happening is when you see the end of that episode, which I think is either 13 or 14 or 15, the show goes into its second ending scene or ending theme. You know how different shows will have, like, first half of the season is this theme, and then they change to a second theme, and they do it for the openings and endings. The second ending theme, known as Ningguo Hime, is a song that I would put up as, like, my favorite ending theme or even opening theme of any anime ever. And a lot of it has to do with it playing in the background during several scenes that were important. Because, again, a lot of this stuff does delve into are you being replaced by technology to the point where people are being neglected? What happens to a person who falls for a persicum? And the idea that at play is, is it right? And that's been something that's been at play every so often. And it's something that I've felt here and there as a, as a story thread, you know, on things that I've seen is, is technology advancing to the point that a person could conceivably stop falling for a living, breathing person and falling for a living, breathing android or a Persicom or a computerized, digitized image. I've seen this in, um, there was a movie called Her, where a dude and his AI kind of fell for each other. It was play- it was played really straight for a while and then did some weird, weird scenes. Um, there was one uh, Blade Runner 2049 that toyed with this idea to the point where the guy was ostracized. Like the main character, like people, like I think actual prostitutes called him some some weird thing, like computer lover or something like that. You know, p- things like that. I've always kind of had interest in where they go with this. And again, Chobits can only do so much because they're playing 90% comedy most of the time. When they veer into that stuff, it's more, you know, 70% comedy. And, you know, again, that backdrop of that song really ends up helping. So... You do need to go through the first few episodes and, you know, maybe that stuff is important to you, but I I find that I enjoyed it more when I was in my 20s. Now that I'm in my 30s, I'm not so much, you know, I don't know if I would go into Chobits and go nuts for it like I would before, but again, knowing that those episodes are there um, really interested me and the dynamic of Motosua and she together trying to figure out okay are they actually going to be i I guess intimate is the way i would describe it and how would that even work and what is the reaction and it's not even so much them doing it it's the reaction of everyone else around them and what they think because again they are the ones dealing with their own hang-ups with Cho, you know, Chobits or Persic, well, Persicoms in their case, Chobits is in Chi, but 
working with those ideas, but also trying to throw in weird sci-fi stuff. I'm not a big fan of like an like the end game like secrecy stuff that they throw in like they're saying hebe is super important and you know we'll reveal it at the end and there's these other two characters that are kind of at the ends of episodes just kind of staring off into space spying on people but they don't really do anything there's this like ingrained a fear that because chi is super important that she's going to fuck up the entire uh persicom ecosystem and throw everything awry it doesn't really go anywhere and i get that they were trying to come up with some sort of like end game thing for the final episode that those characters ended up being meaningless so it was just forced drama for the sake of forced drama rather than continuing to focus on the Hideki Chi thing, which honestly could have done without those two. But, you know, what can you do? They had an idea and it didn't work. It's fine. But by and large, if you get past some of the goofy comedy that's very formulaic and does a lot of the same episodes and, you know, because there's only so many stories you can tell. There's only so many variations that you can tell with certain characters. Yes, it does a beach episode. Yes, they're in their swimsuits. Yes, they do the stupid shit. Yes, they do some firework stuff. Yeah, they do the whatever. You know, get past that and you get a, a sort of interesting introspective, like a comedy about the rise of technology and making a technological marvel in the shape of someone that could replace you. You know, or you could end up falling for that. Or if you do, what are the ramifications and what do people think of you if you go that far? You know, skirting that line between it's just a computer, it doesn't matter, to this is a thing that runs my life and I'm actually interested in this thing because it talks like a human and acts like a human. And again, the majority of them are female. So I've heard the argument that it's objectifying women and turning them into, you know, subservient. I, I get that, but they show enough male persicums that they do exist that I kind of ignore it and I don't care. I don't see that argument because they make it a point that male ones do exist. Um, it's just that the majority of them are shown as female. So I, I understand that that would be a criticism. I didn't find that to derail anything I've ever done. Even 20 years later, I see why, but I'm not really seeing it as a thing that they intentionally tried to do. They were having a story to tell of an overarching narrative, and they do enough to, to justify talking about it and having enough character depth. And like I said, that song, again, is probably the best thing I have about this show. You know, sometimes you you listen to one of those openings or ending themes, and they can get you really amped up for a show. And I do think that that's the case. The opening theme to this entire show is also a good one. So, like the opening theme to this song to the to the show, and the second ending theme are just like they hook into you. At least they did for me. They're they're songs that I will instantly remember because I identify this show with those, and then I remember. Okay, I remember the the latter half of this show really resonating with me. And it resonated me with me back in 2002. It resonates with me back in 2023 that I can still vividly remember, despite a lot of the comedy, there are 
trying to tell a story is it the best way to tell a story maybe not it's maybe not the best exploration maybe something with a lot more runtime or a lot more interest in going way deeper into that would have went deep enough but i still think for what constraints they had doing a idiotic comedy they did enough to kind of delve into this sort of subject and i think they did it with some aplomb so i do highly recommend the show as a nice hey i need a comedy to to be a breezy watch something to get into and you know the comfort food kind of show that doesn't stick with you forever but if if you let it it can but that will do it for me this week and let me see what i've got stocked up for reviews because i think next week is the big one and let's just pop open and see and yes next week is the 100th episode persona for golden and i'm actually really happy that i beat persona for golden i have not uploaded all of it but i've gotten most of it done so I was able to bum rush the final two or three dungeons in like two or three days. So I was able to get through everything. So I'll be able to talk about everything with a keen eye, even more so than I would have under under normal circumstances. But it seemed fitting that that would be my hundredth episode. Um, we've got after that Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and 2022. Very good anime one i saw which i really kind of wish i'd watched 10 years ago when it came out but hey better late than never i suppose really freaking good we stay in space with july 9th uh xenosaga episode one Druil is a marat or however nietzsche would nietzsche would pronounce it i don't fucking know i believe it's the will to power is the is the is the idea but i will just call it xenosaga episode one that's fair enough uh, July 16th, Ruby, Volume 9, which I think was a nice change of pace volume. Rather than sticking with the same narrative, they're going in kind of a different direction, an Alice in Wonderland direction. Add in a big splash of Neo to try and give her a, to give her storyline a little bit more weight, but also kind of focus in on the main four girls. And I do think it succeeded, you know, in giving the show some more heft again after focusing so heavily on salem and whatnot for the last like three or four and after talking about ruby i get to my two-year podcast anniversary i was trying to come up with ideas of what i was going to talk about for that because i always try to come up with ideas i'm not like a podcast like i'm not like eventually i'm going to run out of reviews there's no way around that but um that's not going to be for a while but what do I talk about? What do I think about? What are my plans? I always try to think of something. And this one is an interesting retrospective of the last year or so, but it's also going to be a, a reflection of my other channel, my main channel, and the successes and the improvements that I've made, but also, you know, just the interesting things that have been done, like, you know, having lee as a co-host more often than not and what that has done for me and um when i'm thinking about that i'm not only going to talk in a general sense i think what i'm going to have to do for that episode is think of like my top five and bottom five um playthroughs up to this point 
I already kind of have a general idea of like which was my favorite, which are not my favorite. And people who have heard me talking on my other channel about recent playthroughs know that I've had an easy time kind of digesting where I end up on those. But thinking of top five and bottom five as a whole is not something I've really done yet. So that it will be an interesting talking point because it's not only the process of making it as a record like recording it's also the performance of said shows or of said games and like what they ended up meaning to me what they ended up meaning to the channel from a numbers perspective from a creative perspective from just an overall production perspective because did I play well? Did it sound good? Did I do what it needed to do? What was Lee's involvement like? Things like that, right? And, you know, because I think I have a good idea of which ones are what my favorites are and what should be doing. So that will be a nice, cool episode to counteract, la like, last year's initial anniversary special. And then after that, we'll go back into fan voting so i haven't done community polls for a couple of months leading up to the to the two-year anniversary but going forward uh, starting in july i'm gonna start getting those polls back up and start having the the five ideas you know the five shows or the five games to talk about and then picking you know letting the community pick and that'll be a fun experience getting back into that but then i'll i'll save all that for next time and That'll be it for me. Citizen Strive, signing off.